Why would God accept us? You know yourself. Now, you know, I go door to door for all these years, almost 50 years door to door, talk to people about, you know, they're going to heaven, they know Christ, so why would they go to heaven? And they get all kinds of answers. Most of the answers I get that they, uh, most people think they're going to heaven. Now, that's amazing to me with the behavior we have. Because I know you're not a whole lot different than I am. I'm wretched. I'm not bad, I'm wretched. Paul said in 7th chapter of Romans, O wretched man that I am. He didn't sugarcoat himself, but when I go door to door and talk to people, they sugarcoat him. I'm not, I'm not as bad, you know, as uh, Dr. Bailey. He's bad. Dr. Bailey, he's bad. I'm almost as bad, not quite as bad as Bruce Humbert, which, by the way, you need to meet him, shake his hand. Give him what you gave me last week. Uh, uh, the, uh, you know, I'll be honest with you, we're, we think pretty highly of ourselves, yet we really, in the quiet of our heart, we know better. We know better. I'd be abhorred if you knew some of the thoughts I've had in my mind. I'm at whore. I abhor myself. That's what the Bible says. Abhor myself. So how in the world is God going to accept us? How's that going to happen? Well, it's not going to be by baptism. It's not going to be by good works. I mean, you can give, give, give your body to be burned, give all your wealth to the poor, and you'll stand before Jesus and be condemned. Because those things cannot save you. It'll not be if you just gave yourself to die for the cause of good. That wouldn't do it either. It's going to be, if you accept it before God, it'll be because of the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm going to try to explain where that comes from historically. I'm going to do a little teaching early on. I'm going to show you historically about the subject of the blood and where it comes from, why we are, as Baptists, especially independent fundamental Bible-believing old King James Baptists, why we believe in the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son cleanses us from all sin. I'm happy today. I hope you know, you know, that you're cleansed from your sins by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Woo, that's big, that's big. Most of you go back in your minds. I'm going to start all the way back in Genesis. That should scare you when a preacher starts in Genesis. And I'm going to go to Hebrews. It's actually my text is Hebrews chapter 9. So I'm going to Hebrews chapter 9, and I'm starting in Genesis. You should be nervous. Because, man, oh, man, that's a lot of books, 39 Old Testament books I got to go through. Then I got to go through some New Testament books. Well, it'll be okay. In Genesis, most of you know, and I'm not going to repeat the fall of Adam and Eve. There's one thing they were told in the garden, don't do, don't eat of the tree, and knowledge of good and evil, don't do it. One thing, one thing. And Eve went over there and ate of the fruit, gave to her husband, he ate. God had told them the day he eats of you shall surely die. He told them, he gave him a heads up. You're going to die or eat that up, that fruit. You're going to do it. They did it. And uh, 
In Genesis, as soon as they ate of that fruit, they became self-aware. Before they ate of the fruit, they were selfless. They were naked and did not know it. You say, well, how is that? Well, it's the same way your dog is, same way your cat is, the same way my pet squirrels are. They don't know they're naked. They're going around naked. They're going around showing all their stuff. They don't think a thing about it. They don't have that sense of selfishness that was gained by the fall, by the knowledge of good and evil. They were naked and didn't know, but after they ate, immediately, immediately, death began to take effect, and they knew they were naked. They had a selfishness and awareness of sin immediately. Then they knew something was awfully wrong, awfully wrong. They had a conscience defiled conscience immediately. Thirdly, they, uh, they tried to cover themselves, and they sewed, I call it the first bikini, they sewed fig leaves upon themselves trying to cover their nakedness. That's human effort. The first human effort demonstrated in the Bible to try to cover their sin was in Genesis right off the bat. And as I go door to door and I talk to people on a regular basis, they're still trying to cover themselves with fig leaves. They're still trying to cover their sin with, I'm not as bad as the next guy, or I give to the church, or I attend, or I do this, or I do that. It's always works, works, works. And you will not be accepted before God because of your works. Because there was only one work that he was willing to accept for your sin, and that was the work Jesus Christ did on Calvary. That's it. And if you try to invent some other way, he said, and John, you're like a thief and a robber. You're trying to get in some other way, and it's not going to work for you. It's not going to work. So they began to sow upon themselves these uh, fig leaves, and that was a human effort. And God came and confirmed their fears, by the way. They became fearful for the first time of God. Sin always separates you from God, always. Why do people oftentimes not want to go to church? They can say what they want to about hypocrites being in church, and they can say what they want to about it's boring, or they can say what they want to about this or about that. But the truth is that the closer they get to God, they become uncomfortable about their sin. That's why. Why do people not want to go to church? Because we talk about Jesus Christ here. We talk about God here. We talk about the Bible here. That makes the average unsaved individual uncomfortable. It should make you uncomfortable because you got to get uncomfortable before you ever get comfortable. You want to get real uncomfortable. People tell me, well, we want to make church comfortable for the sinner. No. You don't want to make church comfortable. You, you don't want to make it uncomfortable. We're not trying to make it hot in here or too cold in here. Or we're trying to make it uncomfortable. But the point being, the people don't read their Bible because it makes them comfortable. The closer you get to God, the more uncomfortable you get. Just like Adam and Eve, as soon as they ate of that fruit, they become uncomfortable. They became, when, when they were God came at his normal time in the cool of the evening and they hid themselves because they were afraid. Why would you be afraid 
of your best friend. Well, as a kid, I mentioned this a few weeks ago, as a kid, I'd do some bad things. How about you? And when my dad would come around, I'd try to avoid him. Now, I love my dad. He, my dad, nobody like your dad. If you have a good dad, they love you, care about you. Right, Harris's? You got a good dad, man. It don't get better than that. You got a good mom. It don't get better than that. But when you did, you too, here, when you did wrong, he, he wasn't somebody you wanted to be around. You wanted to avoid him. You didn't want to look him in the eye. That's the way it is with God. We sin against God. We don't want to be around. We don't want to go to church. We want to read our Bible because it makes us uncomfortable. That's the way Adam and Eve were. God began to tell him in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. He, he, told, he was talking to Satan here about, about this thing. He said, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. Now, I just got to tell you something. Women don't have seed. Men carry the X and Y. Men carry the seed of X and Y. It's never mentioned in the Bible women having a seed. It's all, all the genealogies are men. So-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so. My wife, after reading one of them genealogies, said, boy, women don't get much of a place in the Bible. I said, they do. They do. Just be content with such things that you have. <laughs> you can't. Have it all. <laughs> and so he says, uh, her seed, I'm going to put enmity between uh, Satan's seed and the woman's seed, not man's seed, the woman's seed. And it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Satan was going to bruise the Christ child, and he did. But the Christ child was going to crush the head of Satan. Glory to God, hallelujah. And he did. God, in mercy to the Adam and Eve after they sinned, those figs weren't going to work out, so he killed the first animal and shed its blood. I don't know what the first animal was. I'm just, if I was going to be a guess about the first animal, I'd say it was a lamb. It would make sense with the typology all the way through the Bible. When John the Baptist saw Jesus beside the river Jordan, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God that taken away the sin of the world. They've been looking for that Lamb for 4,000 years since Adam. They've been looking for that Lamb, and he showed up on the side of the Jordan River. And, he, and John the Baptist said rightfully, I, I cannot baptize you. You need to baptize me. And he said, No, no, you do this for all righteousness' sake. That was a glorious day. And I believe that God, I mean, it's my own opinion. He slew a lamb. He slew an animal. It was, I think it could have very likely been a lamb. Took the, took the uh, skin of that animal and clothed Adam and Eve. And in verse 21 of Genesis chapter 3, and Adam also and his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them. Now, one thing that, that tells me, those are temporary clothes. Those are not permanent. Clothes are not permanent. Amen, ladies? <laughs> Clothes are temporary, right? And shoes are, they wear out quick, girls. Man, I tell you, you got to have a lot of them. We had one woman in this church one time, I had the women go home and count their shoes. And she came back and had 175 pairs of shoes. Now, come on. <laughs> Woo! The first shedding of the blood was in the Garden of Eden when God killed that animal to cover the nakedness 
of Adam and Eve. But it was temporary. I want you to remember that. It was temporary. And it was substitutionary and vicarious. Those are big theological words. Vicarious meaning substitutionary. He temporarily covered their nakedness with the shedding of another innocent animal's blood and taking that skin and giving it to them so they'd have some clothing. Death had to occur, like Jesus said, the day eat there, we should surely die, but also this animal had to die. And blood had to be shed of an innocent animal. We move on in, in uh, Genesis chapter 6, and we see Noah. In Genesis chapter 8, I'll start reading in verse 20, and Noah building an altar unto the Lord, that's after the flood, and he took every clean beast and every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. It was with blood the sacrifices continued on through Noah. It was with blood the sacrifices continued on, Genesis chapter 12, through Abraham. In Genesis chapter 22, God asked Abraham to take his only son Isaac and to sacrifice him upon Mount Moriah. And that was, by the way, the only time I've ever seen anywhere in the Bible where God asked for human sacrifice. But actually, there were two times in the Bible, Isaac and Jesus. Isaac didn't have to die, but he wanted to see Abraham, God wanted to see if Abraham was willing for Isaac to, and he did. You know the story in Genesis chapter 22, verse 8. He raised a knife to kill his son. When his son was going up there, he said, well, I got the wood, I got the fire, but where's the sacrifice? And I like, I like Abraham when he said in verse 8, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. That was in faith and believing that something God somehow. Now we know from the book of Hebrews that Abraham believed if he did slay his son and God did allow him to slay his son, that God would raise up Isaac from the dead. That's the first mention of really resurrection would have been. But he didn't. He told him to stop. And in Genesis twenty-two thirteen, 13, Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket of the thorns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering. And I want you to notice this phrase in Genesis twenty-two thirteen: 13, in the stead of his son. Glory to God. Jesus died in my place. He that liveth and believeth in me, Jesus said, shall never die. Hey, do you believe that? Believest thou this, Jesus said? Woo, I believe, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. I'm looking forward to seeing him. Then we go from that part in history to the Passover. That's the book of Exodus, chapter 12. He said the Passover, this, after the uh, final plague and destroying the firstborn, he, he's coming through the land to destroy the firstborn of animals as well as, as, as people. And he told his people to protect yourself from this. I want you to take a lamb. First year, of course, innocent, the same type. I want you to shed the blood of that lamb, substitutionary. And I want you to take that blood upon the doorposts, upon the top and the two sides. Now, look, look with me here. The top and the two sides of the door. Now, I'm going to do it facing you, but I'm facing the door. I got the side posts and the top. I take, I take this this hyssop, this sponge, as it were, in this blood and of this, this shed of the lamb, and I take it and I lift it up. Now, you know, you that paint any know 
paint drips. Imagine what a sponge with his blood. Blood was dripping up. He took the blood and he put it up straight up on the doorposts. Then he dipped it on the head of the door, I mean. Then he took it back and he dipped it again. They put it over here on this side and he put it over there on that side. What's that make to you? The sign of the cross. Foreshadowing all the way back from the Passover was the Lord Jesus was going to come. Why? Because the Passover cure that saved them and the destroying angel came through and they did not die. But they had to do that Passover every year and remembrance of how God had saved them. But it was only a temporary substitution for them. It was just temporary. It was done over and over again. Then I moved to Leviticus. Are you scared yet? I'm in Leviticus, chapters 1 through 7. Uh, we see the sacrifice, the tabernacle sacrifice was set up. Let me read a few verses. The Lord called them to Moses, spake them in the tabernacle of the congregation, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying to them, If any of you bring a burnt offering unto the Lord, and shall bring your offering to the cattle, even of herd or a flock, and his offering be a burnt off, a sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish, he shall offer it of his own voluntary will at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation of the Lord, and he shall put his hand upon the head of that burnt offering. And it shall be accepted for him to make him make an atonement. But I want you to know something. The laying on of hands was a, was a symbol of transferring his sin to this innocent animal. That animal was temporarily going to substitute for him temporarily. Had to be done all the time. Three times a year, the children of Israel were to meet at the temple and make a big sacrifice and regularly, voluntarily, as it says, sacrifice and lay their hands on them. The practice of substitutional sacrifice went on from Adam all the way to Jesus all foreshadowing a better, more perfect, and more permanent, enduring sacrifice for sin. The sacrifice of that little lamb or that little animal in the Garden of Eden was temporary. The sacrifice of, of uh, Abel was temporary. The sacrifice of Noah was temporary. The sacrifice of Abraham was temporary. The sacrifice of the book of Leviticus and the tabernacle was temporary. All the way to the Lord Jesus. Let's pick up now. I'm going to surprise you. Let's go to the book of Hebrews. Let's go to the book of Hebrews, chapter 9, verse 7. I'm going to read a little bit of Hebrews there. Words are so well, it can't be worded any better. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 7 says, and there were two parts of the temple. You had the temple was made eventually, the tabernacle first, which was a temporary structure. And of course, even the even the Solomon's temple was a temporary structure, as we know. And you had that first room, which was a holy place. And then you had the Ark of the Covenant behind some curtains, which was considered the Holy of Holies. Now, that Holy of Holies could only be gone in by the high priest after he shed the blood of an innocent animal for himself and the nation. He could only go in and sprinkle that blood once a year. They put bells on the bottom of his clothes 
so they could hear him walking because if he had sinned and not told anybody or if he had defiled himself some way and not done it the way God wanted, they would know if he got struck dead, he'd fall down and the bells made sure he was still alive. That's a holy place to be, the holy of holies. But he only could go in once a year. I'll pick up in, in verse 7 of Hebrews 9. And into the second, that is the holy of holies, went the high priest alone once Every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the heirs of the people. The Holy Ghost signifying that the way to the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle temple was standing. The average person, you and I, could never have gone into the Holy of Holies and have direct communion with God. You couldn't. Why? Because of your sin because it kept you away. You needed continuous forgiveness. In verse 9 I pick up, which was a figure for the time then present, which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect. So all those animal sacrifices did not make people perfect as pertaining to their conscience. And if I may say it this way, it could not permanently make them perfect. As soon as they made their sacrifice and walked out of the tabernacle, they began to sin various different ways and began to need a more another sacrifice. So those sacrifices were continuous and would go on and on and on. What was all that on? It was waiting for the once and for all sacrifice, which we're getting up to. These sacrifices were figures foreshadowing that something better was to come. How much better? Woo! It was going to cleanse our conscience. Inside, it was going to purify them. Verse 9, who stood only in meats and drinks, divers, washings, carnal ordinances imposed on them from the time of, until the time of reformation, by the way, that's what Jesus did. In verse 11, chapter 9 of Hebrews, and Christ being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. So Christ came as a Lamb of God, verse and, and to give himself for us once and for all. What a man, what a day it was when Jesus showed up. Verse 12 Neither the blood of bulls and goats, but of his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, that's the holy of holies, having obtained eternal redemption for us. What does it mean by eternal redemption? Permanent. Permanent redemption. Why we Baptists are so big on permanent salvation is because the sacrifice of Christ was permanent. It was so different from the sacrifices before him that looked forward to him. They were all temporary. They all faded away. They all needed to be done over and over again. But the permanent, the sacrifice of Christ needed to be done one time. You get born into the family of God one time. Then you're a child of God. For if the blood of bulls and goats and ashes of a heifer and sprinkling of unclean sanctify to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? How much more? Boy, you're beginning to see we have a privilege, don't we? In the New Testament, 
Don't we? Verse 22 of chapter 9. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. Without shedding of blood, there is no remission. That's our text. By the way, all that was introduction. It was therefore necessary that the pattern of things in the heavens should be purified with ease, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, not to, now to appear in the very presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often, because those, those, high priests, those high priests of old, they had to sacrifice regularly, often. For then must he often have suffered. But now, once in the end of the world, hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. I like that verse. He don't have to suffer often. When Christ said it is finished on the old rugged cross, it was a once for all sacrifice that was edifying for all the sin that had ever been committed if you'll repent and trust him by faith. All the way from Adam, all the way to the last sinner that ever accepts Christ their Savior, it was efficacious enough. It was enough. God the Father accepted it. The innocent suffering for the guilty. The substitutionary death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ himself has purchased you with his own blood. How should we live? What kind of people should we be that are this highly privileged to be purchased by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ? God forbid that we would go back into the, the uh, hog bins of the world God forbid that we would listen to the junk that we used to listen to before we got saved. God forbid that we'd go to the places that we used to get entertainment from before we got saved. It just makes sense to me that because I've been redeemed by the blood of Christ and blood bought and substituted, that the privilege that I have, of course I would be willing to do whatever God wanted me to do, go wherever he wanted me to go, and be whatever he wanted me to be. We have a more perfect tabernacle in heaven itself. We have a more perfect priest, the never dying priest, the Lord Jesus. We have a more perfect sacrifice, it's eternal. We have a more perfect blood, only offered once. We have a more perfect intercession. He's now making intercession for me and you at the right hand of the Father. That makes me happy this morning. You say, I'm down this morning, Brother Bill. I got bad things happening. Yeah, bad things happen. But it doesn't reach heaven. Everything's all right in my Father's house. And it's going to be all right with you. No matter what dis disappointments you may have in this life, no matter what setbacks you may have in this life, if you'll trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and you will repent and turn to him in simple childlike faith, and say, I want him as my savior, I want him as my offering, I want him as my covering. God will birth you into his family, give you the Holy Spirit, put your name in the Lamb's Book of Life, begin to make a place for you as his neighbor. God wants me and you as his neighbor. Now, if I said to you, Richard, I'm going to move up right beside you. Now, where, where do you live, Richard? I'm sorry. 
Everybody wants to live here, don't you notice? But let's just say wherever you lived, that you said, I want to move up to your city. Oh, that'd be nice, Brother Bill. You can move up to my city. Oh, say, no, no. No, no, I'm not just moving up to your city. I'm moving next door. You say, now, oh, now, wait a minute, Brother Bill. You know, I don't mind you living down the road, three, four houses, five, six houses, ten houses. I don't mind you. I don't mind you being, but right next door to me? Yeah, right next door. You'll love my 50 roosters. <laughs> and on a full moon, they crow all night long. <clears throat> I don't know if you know that about roosters. They're so dumb. If the full moon gets big, that, that harvest moon, and then when one does it, the other one, for some reason, if you got it, I had 50 of them at one time. Uh, when you do one, then the other one says, hey, I got a crow. Then the other one goes, hey, I got a crow. It's, it's like showing muscles. And it's like, I don't want to flex my muscles. I don't want to hurt my suit this morning, but... I like in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 10, we have an altar, wherefore they have no right to eat. <laughs> they have no right to eat to serve the tabernacle. People want to go back to the law. Are you crazy? People want to go back to want to go back to the law of Moses. Are you crazy? The law of Moses came to convict me of sin, to condemn me. As a sinner, what's the Ten Commandments do for you? It condemn, they condemn you. You say, I'm broken in the Ten Commandments. You just did. <laughs> Thou shalt not bear false witness. I wouldn't be surprised if everybody in this room has broken all ten of the Ten Commandments in your spirit. Jesus said, you look on a woman the lust after you committed adultery in your heart. How many innocent men do we have in this room? You hate somebody, you murdered them. Oh, we're guilty, man. The law of Moses condemned me. Guilty, 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 guilty. It prepared me, made me ready for the cross, made me ready for the blood of Jesus Christ to be applied so I could be forgiven. I needed somebody else to come in and take my place or I would never make it. No way. And that's what he did. I like it says, and wherefore Jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffered without the gate. And in verse 13 of chapter 13, let us go therefore unto him without the camp bearing his reproach. Where does that come from? It comes from the sacrifice of the animals, after they sacrificed the animals, whatever body was left of that animal, they'd take it outside the camp and burn it. And the Bible makes a comparison of Christ being crucified outside of Jerusalem. They didn't want him. He was too wicked to be in Jerusalem. Cast him out and crucify him outside. He was the scapegoat for you and for me. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for making intercession for us. 
with groanings that cannot be uttered. It was the blood with Adam. It was the blood with Abel. It was the blood with Noah. It was the blood with Abraham. It was the blood with all the tabernacle sacrifices. All pointing up to the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb, not a Lamb, the Lamb. The only and final, eternal Lamb of God that died and substituted for the sins of the whole world. I don't have a bit of Calvinism in me. I believe Jesus' blood was enough to save the whole world. Whether they received it or didn't receive it. Everybody that's ever taken breath, I believe it has enough power to save them all. Why? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I hope you don't miss that. I hope your life reflects that. I hope you go around telling everybody you know Jesus saves, Jesus saves. I don't talk very well. Well, talk, talk the way you talk then. I stutter, Bill. Let's stutter it out. I don't communicate very well. Well, I don't communicate very well, but tell them, hey, Jesus saves. Jesus saves. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. You can take bloodless religion. You can have it, but I'll take the blood. Father, help us today. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for the blood of Jesus, God's Son who gave himself for us. I pray the power of God may now take the, the, the published word, the spoken word, and do its work. There may be some in this room that say, Brother Bill, if I died, I really don't have assurance where I'd spend eternity. We're here for you. We want to help you. We don't want to push anything on you. We don't want to try to convince you against your will. We simply want to share with you what the Bible was shared with us so that you can know and make an informed decision. We'd love to be able to talk to you after the service. At the end of the invitation, it's not the end of the invitation. We're around, Brother Chris around, Thomas around, Todd's around, I'm around. If you'd like to talk to somebody about your soul, oh, we'd love to be able to talk to you about it. Don't leave without it. Born again, Christian, if you're here, birthed by the blood of Jesus, saved, how should you be living? May the Holy Spirit and you take inventory on your life. And may your life reflect the holiness that our Savior had when he gave himself for us. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.